Hello and welcome to the Fabulous at 50 podcast, celebrating a vibrant global community of women over 50 through entertaining interviews that will inspire, educate, and empower. Your host, Joanne Nuaduck, was born to nurture and promote vibrance. Joanne is both the Community Director for Calgary, Canada, and oversees the global operations for Fabulous at 50. As an oncology nurse, integrative practitioner in multiple modalities, life skills mentor and manager, Joanne moves people from challenging situations to positive outcomes through the use of her innate gifts and learned skills. Here's your host, Joanne Nuaduck. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Fabulous at 50. And I have the most fascinating guest on the show today. And Karen, I want to welcome you to the show, but we're not going to jump right into the conversation just yet because I want to read your bio. Thank you. Karen Stolzno is an American-Australian linguist and author. She is a researcher at the Griffith Center for Social and Cultural Research and was formerly a research associate at the University of California, Berkeley. Her books include Language Myths, Mystery and Magic, Would You Believe It? and God Bless America. Karen is a host of the popular science podcast, Monster Talk. Now, if that doesn't have your attention right off the bat, I don't know what does. So welcome to today's show, Karen. Thank you, Joanne. It's great to be here. Well, and I want to correct something. I called you an American Australian, but you're actually an Australian American. Yeah, I didn't think group really matters. I think uh, it's, I mean, I was born in Australia and I've been living here in in America for 15 years or more. Uh, But yeah, it, it doesn't bother me which way you say it. Okay, fair enough. Just wanted to get that straight. You know, that does suggest. And you're living in Colorado right now, I understand. In Denver, yes, that's right. In Denver, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's like a bit of a sister city to Calgary and being close to the mountains, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, it is. Right next to the Rocky Mountains here. Absolutely. And we are right just quite a bit further north. And we are, we are just coming out of a deep freeze. <laughs> you know, it's, we don't it's get anything nice again. like that. We just, we just had a, a very cold spell. Oh yeah. We, we, we get a couple of days of snowfall and then it just, the sun comes out and it melts. We don't That's get those right. weeks and weeks of coldness. Luckily. Lovely. lovely. <laughs> well, I am, I'm so thrilled that you were joining us today and the title of your book your most recent book really caught my attention when um, you. your assistant offered to share a copy with me called On the Offensive mm-hmm. and, you know, Prejudice in Language Past and Present. And mm-hmm. I thought this is so, and I know that one of your chapters talks about ageism. And so, of course, for my community and the Fabulous 50 community, this is something that has come up at different times. So sure. I wanted to bring you on and just have a conversation. But as I got to know a bit more about you, you're just a fascinating mm-hmm. woman. So it'll be, it'll be <laughs> hard for you. us to stop and say, okay, that's <laughs> enough of the conversation. Let's carry it on. But why don't, why don't we start, first of all, with this book? What, sure. what led you to want to write about um, this book? Like, what was well, your inspiration? I've been researching uh, bad language and racism and sexism for decades now. Okay. And certainly over the last uh, four years uh, with the administration that we've had in the United States, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of these topics were, just came to the fore and were are very important. And of course, these things are always important. A lot of people have asked me, did you write this book in response to what's been happening? I think that these things are always taking place. There's always ageism. There's always sexism. There's always racism, unfortunately. 
Right. Right. That makes total sense. And, um, but this is not an easy topic to talk about. So it's it's very difficult and it can be, uh, depressing to read about too but I think that there's a lot more awareness about these kinds of topics mm-hmm. today a lot more interest a lot of people who are trying to to do better uh, and to, to be more respectful and polite in their language so I think that's a good way to look at it that's a, a good way of putting it I, I honestly believe and especially you know going through this book there's a lot of phrases and terms and words that are embedded in our language that people Absolutely. use that don't even I think they're, you know, like some people are offend, like they're truly offensive, right? Right. As you said, (laughs) what's just been going on. They are, Uh they are overtly offensive. There is no question about it. Maybe they don't realize, but then there, I I find there's people that are just sweet, nice people. And it's like, do you know what you just said? (laughs) Did you find that there people just aren't aware of what's coming out of their mouths and don't even realize what they're saying? Yeah, absolutely right. There's certainly uh, the the more uh, offensive language, insults and slurs, and often people know that they're being offensive and they're trying to offend people. And then other times, uh, racism, sexism, ageism can be more hidden. It can be something that we don't even realize. And uh, usually, that is a. It can be a matter of it's hasn't been our own experience to to face racism or sexism, and therefore we can say something. And, and not even understand why it's offensive. So that's what this book is about. It really covers the whole range of truly blatantly offensive language through to microaggressions and uh, other phrases that on the surface might seem like a compliment. But if you really think about it and you uh, look at, at what is implied, uh, it can be deemed to be offensive. Yeah, you, you list a few of them here. And I notice actually, I've had this book for months and <laughs> I only just realized the extra wording behind it and you know just the classic comment like I'm not as racist but you look good for your age you know uh she was asking for it you're crazy Mm -hmm. that's so gay like all of like some of them they think it's just oh no big deal it's an expression what did you find ones that you had like were you amazed at what as you were digging was there anything that you found that you realized in your own self that you went oh I didn't even oh, realize what I was doing there. I absolutely. And so I, I look at thousands of phrases and words in this book. And uh, so every single page is just chock full of these phrases that we use all the time and that we've normalized, yes. uh, that we've internalized as well. I do talk in the book about this internalized uh, ageism where when we're very, we're very young, we hear a lot of ageist phrases and we just accept them and then the older we get we adopt them and we start using them you know I find myself looking in the mirror sometimes and I'm doing my makeup and thinking oh, I, I look okay for my age so it's another mm-hmm. one of those I mean it's the kind of thing that someone might say to us and uh, it's intended to be a, a compliment but it also implies oh looking young is good and looking old is bad and has lots right. of negative connotations but we absolutely do say these things to ourselves and, and I hear them all around me all the time and uh, we uh, Again, this this book isn't about telling people how to speak. It isn't saying don't use this language. It's really about identifying prejudice terms and trying to explain why they're offensive to go back into the history of these terms and to see what they used to Mm -hmm. mean and what they mean today, especially what they mean to the communities that they're used against. 
Oh, absolutely. That makes total sense. I know for it now, this is along the same lines. I actually have a book. It's one of those, you know, leave in your bathroom and you read a page or so. And it was, um, it was phrases and terminologies. They weren't necessarily offensive, although some of them were when you understand, I'd like to know, not just what does it mean? You know, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, the one that's coming up, I don't know if it was, um, it could be offensive in a sense, but it was like, oh, um, something like poor is slipshod. And I was like, well, what does that even mean? And it's like, oh, you, you know, the people that were very poor could, couldn't right. afford real shoes. They just had a little slipper on to go out and muck. And so they would be stepping in the actual muck and boots. And, you know, it just went on. But it was fascinating for me to um, learn about where it came from not just what does it mean what's it implying but how did it even start and And through that you could probably say this is most of the nursery rhymes that we all grow up with (laughs) and go around and that we innocently are saying to our children Mm -hmm. when you study them they're horrifying well, yeah, and I in the chapter on ageism, I don't only look at stereotypical ageism, which is ageism directed towards older people or people who are middle age and older. I think that's when we think of ageism, we typically think of uh, something that, that's ageist towards uh, middle aged people going through a midlife crisis or, or right. you know, old people, that kind of thing. Uh, but ageism uh, can be experienced by young people, too. Uh, it's usually called childism or adultism. And I find I've got a five year old son. And uh, I often try to stop myself if he does something naughty from saying, oh, you're a brat or you're a monster, because okay. those can have negative connotations, too, and just reinforce negative stereotypes. And uh, even talking about the, the terrible twos, it's usually what the parents go through and what the parents experience rather than the children being inherently naughty or bad in some way. Exactly. So, uh, it's really just a matter of ha- trying to have an open mind about a lot of these phrases and uh, to, to look at their history, but also to realize that what's offensive to us is constantly changing. So this book probably won't be relevant in a couple of decades when things have changed. And mm-hmm. uh, if we look through history, uh, terms that used to be very offensive were blasphemous terms or profane terms even if we go back a couple of decades the the f word and the c word and the s word were all of those dirty words that george carlin said we we can't say or society says and you can't say them on tv or radio (laughs) so nowadays um a a lot of blasphemous terms have lost their their punch you can say words like bloody and it's probably not going to be too offensive to to too many people but certainly terms that uh, imply uh, racism and and sexism and reveal negative attitudes towards groups of people on the color on the basis of the color of their skin or their gender or sexuality those are the things that are deemed to be offensive so it's hard to make predictions about what will be offensive in the future but certainly uh, I just want to put it out there that it's a changing thing and that that context matters as well you might be able to say something to your husband or your uh, family that you can't necessarily say to other people and uh, yes. certainly if we're, if we're talking about rude words and, and bad words too, then that's different to calling someone yes. those terms. Different terms. Exactly. <laughs> you're, you're, it, 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 and I think you touched on something. There really is like the intention behind it and the power. Yes. Oh, yes. There, yeah. But there is that even when the intention wasn't there, that, you know, basically offhanded comment 
mm-hmm. can be offensive to someone oh, yeah. with us not even realizing that. And I think it's just more, you know, my, for everything we've been through in this past year, and it's been, mm-hmm. and I'm not just talking about the pandemic, it has yeah. been a very upheaval all around the world. Absolutely. And it is, um, you know, my, my wish for the world is at the end, as we come out the other side, that we're more empathetic to each other. We have, we're That's more willing key. to do what you say in got my little bookmarks here. Um, <laughs> in the conclusion, I really love walk a mile in someone's shoes. Mm, and yeah. that, and that is an old I, saying that really says a lot. And I try uh, to not be too yeah. preachy by, by saying things like that, but it's hard mm-hmm. to write a book where you talk about this kind of language without making some, uh, some pronouncements and to, to really close, to say in the conclusions, to, to talk about uh, what this kind of language means to the, the groups that uh, it's used against. Uh, but I think that I do make the point in the introduction that uh, we have phrases like, oh, I didn't mean to be offensive. And so I think by and large, people don't want to be offensive. I don't think that they want to be hurtful. I think that their intentions are usually good. And so, again, certainly have people who want to be offensive and, and want yeah. to hurt people. Yeah. Uh, and they're usually from more privileged groups and they don't really understand what it's like uh, to, yeah. to, yeah. to yeah. be the person who's the target. And uh, so, again, as you, you mentioned, empathy, that's really important to be empathetic. Uh-huh towards mm-hmm. others the way that we want people to be empathetic Indeed. towards us yeah <laughs> um what's coming to mind right now is uh the book the four agreements actually and you know one of them is like don't take offense so i would love to touch base on that obviously mm-hmm. we as say the recipient of listening to other people like this is just the flip side of the same coin we can't walk around and be filtering what everyone else says to us. And so I think there's twofold. I think we as humans need to, you know, be more conscious of what we say, but what's your view on, you know, because I know through my own personal development, like I, I get way less offended at what people say, like I, what they're saying is more about them more than me. So I, I've chosen Mm -hmm. the past to not take offense easily. And what's your, your thought on that? Did that come up with researching the book? Uh, yeah, I do treat that uh, to some extent in the introduction. And uh, so people do think, oh, well, if you don't take offense, then then you're strong. Uh, if you take offense, then you're somehow weak or a snowflake, that term that we've heard mm-hmm. a lot over the past couple of years. Uh, so I really think it's up to the individual. I think it's uh, a great thing if someone can say something and you can um, you can maybe step into their shoes and think, well, this is why they said this. They didn't mean to hurt me. Uh, this is what they meant. So that's great. But if you take offense too, then you have more power to you, really, if you want to, to explain to people, well, that's offensive and, and here is why. Uh, obviously, you need to pick your battles. Uh, sometimes yes. you, it might be the kind of thing that you can discuss with family. Other times, absolutely not at the Thanksgiving table. You don't want to talk about things like this <laughs> that's Maybe not the best topic to bring up with, you know, yeah, yeah. crazy <laughs> uncle so-and-so and, you know. Indeed. Uh, so yeah. it's, uh, but sometimes you, you might be, you might deal with a stranger and they say something that's ableist or something that's ageist. And, uh, and it's not the job of the person who is the target to uh, always educate other people either. And sometimes that can really open you up to what I call in the book uh, is a kind of forced intimacy to be telling people, well, I, I have a disability and here's why, here's what's going on. I, uh, sometimes 
people might want to do that. They might want to educate others. Uh, at other times, they might not want to. It's just, it's too personal to have to go into these kinds of things. Yeah. But um, I think it's just a human reaction to take offense to things that are said. And certainly if they're said by, by people who just don't understand why something is offensive, um, uh, I think that it's, uh, it is just a human reaction to, to be right. offended. And right. maybe you can talk to your significant other about it and, and get it off your chest or uh, talk to friends on Facebook or something. But it, I really wouldn't condemn any kind of reaction to something that's no. offensive because oh, you don't know absolutely. what that person's going through. Exactly. What I'm hearing from this and, 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 and my thought, I know I tend to be one who protect people is that mama bear comes out and I think it's important actually just like in bullying you know like Mm -hmm. offensive language is a form of bullying and you know there's the bully and the 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 victim and the bystander and I think it's really important if nothing else that this book you know if somebody sits there and goes oh you know I don't use offensive language I think this book is important (laughs) for us all to read one to see where are we and we don't know Second, though, where can we pick it up? Not that we're wanting to pick a fight, but can we help educate someone? Can we protect someone we care about by speaking up on their behalf? You know, the ones that are more vulnerable. Yeah, and sometimes uh, it uh, it can make you complicit to racism if you hear a racist comment and you don't say something. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're not being an ally to other people or if you hear a sexist comment or an ageist comment. But again depends on the situation you don't want to get yourself into a, a fight or an unnecessary argument with a stranger uh, but yeah I, th- I would say we hear these kinds of things every day and uh, and I think that that contributes to that uh, internalization of these insults and and to to just normalize them and make them okay and to then repeat them I mean sometimes I uh, I certainly won't say that having written this book or if you read this book that you will be somehow perfect uh, having yeah, finished it exactly. because I say things all the time. Uh, I make mistakes. I say something and, and realize I'm trying to be polite to a stranger I'm talking to in a coffee shop or something like that, and that I might have said something that could be misconstrued. So uh, it, it's really just about educating yourself about this kind of language and thinking about the words that you use because words matter, uh, yes. but not necessarily being too hard on yourself. And certainly you'll, you'll continue to use terms that might be offensive to other people. And I think it's important to listen to others. And if they say, look, that's offensive, to, to try to understand why and uh, to, to uh, just think about your language. And, as best and as there's, you a can. Real simple, there's a real simple remedy for a lot of it is if you have offended mm-hmm. someone, simply go, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, you know, it doesn't have you don't have to defend yourself why you said it whatever just say true I'm true, sorry. true right and yeah, I and think our ourselves that way I think our immediate uh, instinct is to say oh I didn't mean to say that and uh but yeah. to to be open-minded enough uh to to see any bias or to see what could potentially mm-hmm. be offensive yeah. uh and to to um address that is is a good thing right right so we mentioned how this is, you know, it's definitely a difficult topic. It's one where people get polarized. While you were writing this book, was there a particular aspect of it or a segment of it that kept you up at night? You know, like what what was oh. the hardest segment oh, for you? Gosh. I think or- every chapter had difficulty uh, because uh, I think one of the reasons, if I can say my book is important, is that it really cuts across 
uh, the, the population. Ageism is something that we're all going to experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, racism, maybe not necessarily, but our friends might experience it or our family. Um, me being an immigrant, then I experienced not necessarily racism, but certainly prejudice and discrimination for yeah. having a different accent and for, for being different. Uh, and being a woman too, experiencing sexism, uh, experiencing mm. lookism. Um, I mean, I've been larger in the past and then smaller. And uh, so I've changed my size and, and being, uh, yes, lookism. Uh, so being discrimination against people yes. on the basis of the way that they look, uh, if they're too skinny in your mind or too too fat or uh, or you they dress like a goth. So that kind of uh, discrimination. So I think that these are really things that, that we're all going to experience. We're all going to have that Achilles heel. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it was difficult because going through the chapter on racism and talking about immigration recalled to me so many instances of discrimination that I've experienced and how lucky I have been too, belonging to privileged groups uh, that, that I haven't experienced more. And then sexism too, uh, just writing the sections on harassment and assault. I mean, Absolutely. these are things that are so common. The Me Too movement, it's, it's mm-hmm. happened to lots of women. Uh, and the chapter on ageism, writing about uh, uh, nursing homes and infantilization of older people and seeing my father experience that. So a lot of these things hit home. And yeah. uh, so I think that anyone reading the book is going to have those moments where, oh, it really cuts to the core and, and this really resonates with me and I've experienced this. And then other times uh, when you might read something and think, oh, that's ridiculous, that's not offensive. And, uh, and I think plenty of people have that kind of uh, uh, reaction to the book and to words in there. So again, I think it's a matter of, well, you might not find it offensive, but someone else might. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. but certainly, yeah, it, I, I think every chapter hit home with me as the author and yeah, it could be difficult. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and really, as I'm listening to you, there is something for everybody in there. You know, like, I, I don't think anyone can read this without having, being able to go, I identify with that. But what I do yeah. love is at the end of the book is how you do wrap it up into more of a, a positive swing, because as much as words have the capacity to hurt us, injure us, Um, in the sense of, you know, hurt us, I think also when it comes from people that we care about, you know, it's more offensive, you know, there's probably, oh, it is, it's so much more personal. Uh, If you have some, a stranger say something to you, well, they don't know me, and they don't understand. So that's one thing. But if it comes from a relative, uh, if it comes from a loved one, that can really hurt and, and be very painful, for sure. Yes, yes. And we do, we, you know, I had someone talking about, um, just the other day, it was they were saying something in a playful way, what is playful mm-hmm. in their household, just like you said, words that were once not play, you know, like that were an issue in the past. Now, mm-hmm. people bantered around. It's like, if it's your best friend, and you're saying to each other, it's almost a, a term of endearment, which is kind of odd. Oh, and yes, she yes. had the misfortune of just kind of saying it. And she, she was going by the common room and where she lives. And, you know, shouted out um, to the ladies there and two of them she knew very well, one she didn't know as well. Mm-hmm. And when she sat down and she is the sweetest, most empathetic woman, but this mm-hmm. other woman called her on and said, I find that offensive. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, you know, like she had forgotten because she was past that being offensive. Like that wasn't right. offensive in hers, but that other woman had come from a situation where her ex-husband 
had used it as a weapon against her. And so it cuts to the core. So I think it's one of those things that if words can be used either way, we need to be Mm -hmm. careful. But what I love. Oh, sorry. I was going to say it can really really sting if someone says that's offensive or you've insulted me. It can really feel like a reprimand and uh, like someone's being critical of you. But, uh, you know, I, I think if we can be expected to not be offended by things then we can also uh, expect that it's okay for someone to come back and tell us what they think that's right that's right but I do as as you were winding near the end of the book just you know your last uh the last few lines that language can show this is on the flip side that as much as language can be used as a weapon in a sense Mm -hmm. um it's used to bind us you know that's the you know, as you said, language can show solidarity and commonality. It reflects Absolutely. our diversity, you know, and, yeah. and the last one, language is a symbol of our shared humanity and we can use it to nurture understanding, acceptance and equality, which is just a beautiful way to, you. you know, wind, wind up this book that touches base on things we need to talk about. Yeah, I think yeah. it uh, it needed some positivity towards the end after a barrage of, of offensive language <laughs> to, to say that, again, that words matter and the words that we choose are important and uh, that we can, uh, words are very powerful and we can pick and choose our words and uh, that they, they do, uh, they are of importance and can really change a, a situation. I'm just thinking at the moment of uh, how, um, I don't want to get too political, but how the current administration is wanting to change some of the language that that is being used in immigration policy uh, instead of talking about aliens uh, to talk about non-citizens. And uh, so to to be more positive and and more precise and accurate and um, and also to avoid using the term China virus and to to talk about uh, coronavirus, COVID-19, that kind of thing. So uh, you can really see the impact that uh, certain words can have. Yes, the slang that, you can that we've put, put out there. Yeah, absolutely. Because those are offensive terms and we've known that. And it's just amazing. I think to sit back and watch, though, how many people don't find it offensive. And I think that's the whole point. And it's our own responsibilities to look inside ourselves and say, how do we want to show up as human beings to our, our fellow human beings in this world? And and I, we need to make that choice. And I think, uh, again, if you're not offended by a term like alien or or, uh, China virus, then that's because it's it's not affecting you at all and you belong to a privileged group. So exactly. Uh, yeah, it's exactly. just, again, it's putting yourself in someone else's uh, shoes and just thinking about what it's like to be someone else, just as you, you want people to be respectful and polite towards you. There's a lot of negativity around terms like political correctness, but really it's just about being, uh, being respectful and uh, being inclusive and polite. And yeah, exactly. Just being kind. <laughs> So we're we're actually getting really close to the end of our talk here, but what I'd love to quickly, I know it does go quickly, but we still have just a couple more minutes because I I want you, I end all of my podcast episodes with this and I want to ask you, what would be your three pearls of wisdom? Now it can be around Mm -hmm. this book or it could be about something else. I mean, honestly, the titles of your other books just fascinate me you you really dive into juicy topics so what 
for the listening audience, what would be your three sort of Karen's pearls of wisdom for going through this life, is, perhaps? This is so difficult. I think maybe one is to uh, keep an open mind, uh, to, to try to not be closed-minded, narrow-minded about things, to, to, all, to listen to other people. And even if you still think that they're wrong, uh, to possibly see the merit in, in what they're saying. Absolutely. Uh, I think also to be aware of our biases. I think that in this book, there are a lot of stereotypes and preconceived ideas. Uh, so I think to, to try to be self-effacing and to be uh, aware of, of any bias that we have in our thinking mm-hmm. uh, and those blind spots that we have in our thinking, uh, I, I think that that can really it can make you a lot happier too, to, to uh, just recognise your biases and to kind of fight against them. Um, so I guess that's two. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is so to, wise. So wise. I think um, uh, another is is maybe to, and I guess this kind of encapsulates some aspects of the the two I've just mentioned. But uh, to to try and be worldly, uh, to to try and it's it's a good thing to travel. Obviously, we can't at the moment, but you can certainly travel by way of uh, being on the internet, uh, watching mm-hmm. documentaries, reading books. So being informed uh, and 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 um, trying to see what it's like for other people in other parts of the country and uh, in other parts of the, the continent or other parts of the world. I think it can just uh, really just open your minds to how other people live and what it's like. Uh, we can really get mired and bogged down in the problems that we have day to day, but to, to be grateful and thankful for the things that we do have and to see just how tough other people have it. Absolutely. And I guess that comes into play with the book as well to, to realise the, the privilege that we have because of the, the color of our skin or because of the money that we have or um, the, the experiences that we haven't had and to, to try and see what it's like for, for other people. So in being worldly, uh, I think it, it just keeps you relevant really. And, and um, in today's world, which is just so everything's changing so quickly and just to not get left behind. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I mean, I just, I love that particular topic that you brought up, that globalization, like being worldly, getting past our own little worlds, our own, um, you know, and, and in some ways over this last year with this being quite a few of us, you know, depending on where you're living, you know, you might be mm-hmm. under a state of lockdown or not. And right. so to some degree, our worlds have shrunk in the sense of, where we're physically going within our right, neighborhood, limitations. our communities, the limitations. Yet on yep. the same hand, for those that wanted to step out, mm-hmm. getting onto calls, and I've attended conferences that I probably would not have flown to, right, but right. I've now attended them, and it's expanded my world by virtue of Zoom calls, you know, or whatever other type of online conference calls are happening. Absolutely. So, I mean, yeah. people, there's really no... I shouldn't say no excuse, but there's really, there's not a limitation now. We can really travel and connect with people from all around the world if we have that will. Oh, yeah, it can be a very enriching thing to do. Yeah, And, yeah. Uh, you know, it's made a lot easier by Zoom or by Facebook and, and Twitter. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I just think making use of that uh, is just very enriching. 
Fantastic. <laughs> now, before we start to wind up here, can you share if if somebody is fascinated by what they're hearing here and they either wanted to reach you or learn more about you, can you share what your website or what's the best way for them to be in touch? Yeah. Uh, so I'm on all social media. I'm on uh, Twitter and Facebook and I've got a website, which is just my name, Karen Stolzner, which is uh, S-T-O-L-L-Z-N-O-W. Uh, so I'm, uh, yeah, on LinkedIn, like everyone else. So uh, you can find my books on Amazon and uh, you can just do a Google search as well. And uh, I do a lot of things. I, I write for psychology today as well and for the conversation. Uh, so I yeah, like to, to be a hybrid and do lots of different things. You do. And, and that's, I, I, so let's, in one sentence, I'm going to say a title of a book and give us a sentence summary of what it's about. Okay. So the first one on here is language myths. What, what, what can we find in there? Uh, so I'm a linguist. So that is a book that looks at uh, the magic and mystery behind language. So whether it's prayer or chain letters or Bigfoot language, uh, I just look at all different kinds of curious claims about language maybe that someone's had a bump on the head and then they can speak another language so it's just all kinds of interesting tidbits about language and and magic awesome is that then the mysteries and magic is that a different book or is that all one book it is all one book yes it's very expensive it's a palgrave Macmillan academic book so it's cheaper to get on uh, kindle okay (laughs) would you believe it is that a separate book yeah, that's a separate okay. one. So that is, it's a book about uh, the strange and interesting paranormal-like experiences that skeptics have had. So a lot of people think skeptics are very close-minded. And uh, so it's a book about strange and mysterious experiences that, that people have had, whether it's maybe seeing a loved one after they've died uh, or having some kind of a maybe a psychic premonition or something like that but experienced by scientists and atheists and skeptics Uh, so people that you wouldn't think would have these kinds of experiences oh fascinating oh my goodness now I want to talk on for another like two hours (laughs) here asking how did you find we could (laughs) and the last one that made me go what is this all about god bless america so uh yeah that's a book I read a number of years ago uh about coming to america from australia and seeing a lot of the different religious beliefs and practices, I found those very intriguing. So I kind of did something I've been doing for a, a long time, which is uh, maybe getting absorbed in a group of, of uh, people, whether it's who belong to people who belong to a particular religion or a cult or something like that, uh, and kind of being a, a Matahari and going undercover and and uh, researching and investigating what it is that these people believe in and and how they live. That sounds fascinating. So you literally, it wasn't just you did research, you were the one doing the research and going and yes, and immersing yeah. so yourself I've, in that community so that you yes, could I wrote about some um, a number of different, I mean, I could have written many volumes of this book, but uh, I got involved in Scientology for a while and got involved in uh, Satanism. And so it's not what people think. A lot of people think, oh, it's, it's uh, Satan worshipping and devil worshipping. And it's not mm-hmm. that. Uh, but it's I looked at uh, new age beliefs and practices as well and, and uh, just attended services and uh, just got involved and, and to have an insider's look at these different beliefs and practices. 
Well, Karen, I said it at the beginning. I'll reiterate it now that you are an absolutely fascinating woman. I'm so happy that you you are um, available to be a guest on this podcast. And I went to a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm glad you had fun. We want to make it just conversational. You Mm -hmm. know, the people listening in are a fly on the wall. And I would love to carry on this conversation. Perhaps next year we can have you back. And who knows what book you'll have written then. Do you have, do you have another book in the go? Like do you have another idea of what you want to be doing? I haven't got any contracts at the moment, but I'm looking at a couple of uh, different topics. And so nothing that it would really help to get into at this point, but hopefully, hopefully this time next year, there'll be something out. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. It's been an absolute delight to meet you and have a conversation with you. Oh, it was great to talk with you. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us today. You've been listening to the Fabulous at 50 podcast with your host, Joanne Neuaduck. Join us again for more inspirational interviews on topics that matter to you. If you like what you've heard on today's episode, check out the liner notes or to learn more about this vibrant community that celebrates women over 50, please visit fabulousat50.com. That's www.fabulousat50.com.